time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt here alongside Glenn Mosseller, registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting, serving you in Greensboro with an office on Mears Chapel Road. You can find Glenn online at roadmapfinancial.com. Glenn, great to be with you this week. How are you right now? I'm doing well, Walter. Hope you're, hope you're doing okay. It looks like we're getting some spring weather, huh? Uh, spring has arrived, certainly, and um, you know we'll still have our, our dips and ups and downs and that sort of thing maybe for the next little while. But uh, yeah, here in North Carolina, we can start really leaning into and I think enjoying the springtime, which for a lot of people I know is a very exciting time of year. Not, not many people like that winter time like I typically have in the past, but I'll be honest with you, Glenn, I'm actually kind of excited for it to heat up a little bit faster this year. I don't know if I'm just, I'm changing as I get older, but I'm starting to like the warmer weather a little bit more nowadays than I used to. So I don't know why, but there you have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, time changes a lot of things, doesn't it? It does. It does. That's very true. Very true. We've got a fun episode uh, to start us off this time around, Glenn. We're going to be kind of covering some of those frequently asked questions or questions that we have heard people ask throughout time as they seek financial and retirement planning guidance and advice. So we always love doing this every couple of weeks. We have this kind of episode here on the show, and uh, it allows us, Glenn, to cover a lot of ground, some different topics all in, uh, in, in one episode. Episode, which sometimes we don't get to do when we zero in on one particular topic. So a lot of people like these because we can do a little bit more quick hitters on various topics throughout the financial landscape. So I got a couple of questions to throw your direction. I'll kind of pose them as if a real person was asking you this question in your office, and we can kind of explore what your answer and what your guidance would look like for each of these. Uh, you ready for the first one? All right, Walter. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, so first question for you has to do with uh, retiring. And so this one would be someone looking to retire next spring. All right, so they're, they're, they're a year out from retirement now. Let's say I'm going to have about 75 accrued sick days that my company's going to have to pay me for. Can I use that money to buy myself a new car as a retirement gift, or should I invest it? Well, Walter, I think you probably know what my answer is going to be, you know, at least the beginning parts of it. It depends, right? (laughs) I thought you were going to say, yeah, go splurge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe, you know, um, you know, there's there's a few there's a few elements in there. Right. I mean, we don't know all we don't know a lot of the details of of the you know, of, of the situation. You know, some of the questions might be, you know, well, you know, how old, you know, how old are you? You know, are you married? Um, are you single? You know, how old your spouse? You know, what, um, you know, how much money do you have saved for retirement? What are your retire? What are your, uh, what are your social security benefits look like? Do you have a pension? How much money are you going to need for lifestyle? There's a lot of, there's a lot of unanswered questions to know as to whether or not, I mean, you know, it's possible that there, that there's, there's just plenty of retirement savings, right? And there's also possible that there's not anywhere enough. So we, you know, we, we kind of start with those as, as, as basic questions and, you know, we kind of go from there. Does that make some sense, Walter? Yeah, it does. I mean, that's like with anything that you talk to people about in, uh, you know, in, in any sort of intimate details, it comes down to their individual situation. But I, I at least like the thinking here in this kind of question of, hey, you've, you've stocked up those days, and if they're going to get paid out as cash, I mean, that's an influx of cash that maybe most people aren't used to getting all at once. Sure. 
you know, it's, it's depends upon the particular situation, but it, it, it could be an infusion of, of, of additional cash. You know, one, you know, another question that's, you know, it's a little bit more in the weeds, but it's still, it's still a relevant question is, is that, will that additional income, you know, possibly, you know, change any of the tax brackets you might be in, right? I mean, and so, you know, and, and, and so, you know, will there be some additional expense that you weren't necessarily anticipating, Right. You know, how close are you to the edge of that next threshold that, you know, that, that takes you into another bracket? You know, it, it might be an issue. It might not be an issue. But again, it would it would kind of come out in the, you know, in the discovery process. So, you know, I mean, in general, Walter, I mean, I, you know, I, it's it's you know, these these types of questions are, are very good to ask, you know, and, and, and you, you know, the big thing that I would want to communicate to folks is, is that, you know, it does depend on your particular situation. There's not really a one size fits all answer. And, you know, I mean, as, as we kind of, as, as I touched on a little earlier, it's just like, you know, well, you know, how much, how much, you know, time do you, you know, or, or, or how long is your retirement likely to be? You know, are you retiring early? Or are you, you retiring, you know, later on, you know, you know, somewhere between 65 and 70? Or are you, are you taking an early retirement? You know, are you married? You know, what's your lifestyle needs? You know, a lot of those, the, a lot of those things come into play. But I mean, there are situations where, this would be a, you know, this would be a great thing to, you know, to go ahead and, you know, and splurge a little bit and, you know, and, and, and give yourself a little bit of a retirement gift. On the other hand, there's other, there's other situations where it's like, absolutely not. We need to save as much as we can. And, you know, we might even want to consider, you know, working an extra year or two, you know, it just it depends on the situation. You know, we, we really need to, uh, to delve into the details here in this, in this case to know whether, you know, the, this is a reasonable ask or not. You know that's, what I mean? It's a great point. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, how much money does that actually translate to? Because almost 80 sick days for one person can vary greatly to the next person, depending on pay rate and how much, you know, that money is going to, you know, equal. So well, we don't really know what kind of job somebody would have in that situation. So, so much of that uh, does sound like it's going to depend. So we'll allow the uh, it depends answer this time around, Glenn. No no worries. <laughs> we won't hold your feet to the fire on it. But it's a good question to ask and a great position for folks to be in. I remember a, uh, a teacher uh, back when I was growing up, Glenn, um, in, in Greensboro. I don't remember which teacher it was, but I remember that they took, it was an English teacher uh, late in, I don't know, maybe middle school or something like that. And she took the entire last year off as but you know got paid normal from her fine because she had never taken a day off a sick day in her like 30 year career had only taken one or two days so she she had banked up so much vacation and sick time she retired a year early but got paid as if you know she was working for that entire last year so it was a pretty sweet sweet deal for her to be able to uh to wrap up like that i know a lot of people try to plan it out like that my dad glenn in fact i recently found out that he has so many i've always known him to never take a sick day and he, he recently needed to take some time off of work to go um, help uh, an ailing family member. And I found out that he actually, at one point in time with his company, had gotten capped because he had banked up so many sick days. They were like, all right, Jim, you can't, you can't bank anymore. <laughs> they were just like, you're, you're, you're done. We're, we're capping you. So you've got to start taking some days or we're, you're just going to sit at this, at this amount. So he was like, right. I, I guess I better start taking them at this point. So it's kind of a funny position to fall in and interesting how even some employers might be like, oh, this is getting dicey. We owe you way too much. You need to. Well, yeah. Out. And, and, you know, and, and there are situations like that, right? I mean, in, in, in different, different jobs, different industries, different companies, 
companies, you know, are sure. going to have some parameters around that, you know, because I, you know, like if we if we look at the example you were talking about, you know, the, with the teacher who, you know, for, worked for 30 years and hardly took any time off. Well, you know, ultimately, it's like, you know, how do you calculate what, you know, what salary level should that be calculated on? Is that her last year or her, or her first year? Because there's 30 years there. I mean, there's quite, you know, and so it's, you know, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the scary part for, I guess, for, you know, so for certain employers is to, you know, you know, if, if somebody has been with them for a long time, I mean, that could end up being, you know, you know, quite a, you know, quite a big, you know, bonus and not to say that for the folks didn't earn it, but you know, you have to, you have to kind of be aware of what are the rules around that because some, you know, some companies will allow you to, you know, to, to build up, build up a certain amount. Some will let you build up, you know, unlimited, you know, but, but, you know, oftentimes, you know, what I see, especially in private industry is, is that, you know, if you don't use it, then you lose it. And, you know, and so, so folks, you know, a lot of times don't end up, you know, having that much accrued. So it's, it's, it, but it's something to be aware of, not only when you're getting ready to retire, but, you know, as you're kind of planning along the way, you know, as, as, you know, you know, can you, you know, can you save up, you know, and how much can you, and, you know, does that mean a few uh, vacations along the way that you wouldn't otherwise, you know, had, and, you know, there's, there's a lot to unpack in, in that, in that particular scenario. I file that under the good problem to have uh, realm yes. of things, Glenn, if you have an employee that's around for that long, that causes that kind of problem. So, no major worries there. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Another question for you uh, from a different realm of the financial world. Let's say I'm somebody who never really worried too much about the market while I was working, but I've recently retired, and now my stomach, it was in knots all throughout 2020 and now through the beginning of 2021. My stomach has just been in knots every time the Dow has a bad day. So now I'm starting to wonder, should I move everything into cash so that I don't have to worry so much? I'm trying to eliminate that 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 fear of the stock market going up and down in my retirement. Sure. Well, you know, no, I mean, there, there's that, that I hear that one, you know, actually, you know, it's 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 not that uncommon a question. Right. I mean, you, you know, as, as people are working, for, you know, you know, towards their retirement, and they're putting money away. You know, a couple things. Number one, their 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 focus is more and more, you know, on you know the you know their job and other stuff that's going on, and you know, and their life. And, and oftentimes, when they retire, they have more time on their hands, and some one of the things that they're concerned about, and it's 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 a worry for a lot of people, even before they take you know before they start retirement, is is that you know there's a worry about well, I'm no longer going to get that paycheck anymore, and so I'm going to be living off of you know you know whatever you know social security or possible pension or you know what. I've saved and or some combination thereof and you know and then when you know when you know that you're not making new contributions into those accounts any longer well th then you know it, it, it gets it gets a little bit more nerve-wracking because it's like oh well gosh you know I've got seemingly this limited pool of of resources and I'm not sure how long I'm gonna live how much am I gonna need and so it's a very understandable question and and realistically I mean you know what this this question has a has something layered in behind it which which you know it's it's screaming out to me is is like a red flag it, that if you're asking this question then you very likely don't have a have a retirement you know plan or a retirement income plan in place because you know if you did then 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 there would be less you know that there would be less anxiety ar around this you know i mean the idea of pulling everything out and going completely you know into into cash 
is, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's never the right answer, but it, it would rarely be the, you know, the right answer. You, you know, you want to have certain monies that are available in certain different time frames. You know, what are you going to need over the next, you know, you know, maybe, um, you know, three to five years, maybe 10 years, you know, what, how much are you going to need for that? You know, and that, that certain amounts of money should be less, you know, tied to less volatility, but some of your longer term money, you know, might, might, you know, be out there, you know, long enough to be able to weather the storm of, you know, the ups and downs of, of economic cycles. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, it's like, let's you know, this, this, this particular question begs the, uh, the question of, uh, it's like, have you, do you have a plan in place? And in all likelihood, you don't, if you're asking this question. And so that's, that's kind of step one is, is let's take a look and see where you are, what you need. And so we can start to answer some of those questions because really what's lay, laying behind this question too, is, is, is a fear of the unknown. Right. And, and so that that become that becomes a scenario that we, you know, if we if we start putting a plan in place, then some of those fears can start to you know dissipate a bit. And then, you know, if, if we have a, if we have a solid plan in place, then then we know that, you, you know, it, hey, if you've, if you've got if you've got a sense that everything's going to be OK, no matter what happens, then this kind of a question won't come up, you know, very often, if at all anymore. Are you with me, Walter? Yeah. Uh, eliminating fear really becomes just one of the most important things that you do for a lot of folks, right? I mean, whether it be about the stock market or some other element of fear and, and money, it just seems like that's a really big part of your job in addition to the whole running the numbers thing. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to that, Walter. I mean, you know, it, it, it's you know, you, you, if you're if you're unsure about what's going to happen, or if you're unsure about how things are going to go, um, you know, virtually anybody and everybody would be, you know, would have some degree of trepidation with that. You know, I mean, some more than others, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just uh, it's just the not knowing. Right. I mean, I, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks, you know, and all over the spectrum from having a little bit saved to having a whole lot saved. You know, it's still, you know, it's still a question because, you know, you have different, you know, have different lifestyle desires and needs and wants and, you know, and, and uh, different ages and, you know, the, you know, different desires about, you know, leaving a legacy or, or not. And, you know, and, you know, and, and, and all, all kinds of different questions that are in there. And if you don't know the answers or if you don't, you know, have, you know, have, have some sort of a plan in place, it become it becomes a very, a very difficult place to be in. Because, you know, I mean, it's just it's human nature. It's like if you don't know what the situation is, it tends to create anxiety and, you know, and, and you know, to some degree, you know, you know, diff different types of fears. We're talking about different hypothetical situations, different questions that we often hear from clients or people, you know, preparing for retirement and wondering what are the right money moves to make, covering a lot of ground on today's show. Let's shift gears again here, Glenn. Another question for you. I've heard a lot of people ask this before, those especially who have a high income, wondering if it's a bad idea to do a Roth conversion if indeed they're in that higher income bracket. Right. Well, and again, you know, it's, as we've talked about, you know, in, in many in many uh, past episodes, you know, we've talked about the idea of, of positioning some monies into into Roth, whether it be contributions or possibly conversions. You know, certainly we have to think about, you know, if you if you do a conversion, then that means that you're moving money from a pre-tax account to then there's going to be taxes due as it moves into the in, you know over to the Roth. And what it, what are going to be the implications of that? You know, it'll you know certainly be you know that will be added to other income that you have, and then and then everything will be 
you know, landing on the tax return, and then we'll determine, you know, what tax bracket are you in, right? And and then the, you know, one of the key questions is, is you know, let's define high income, right? Because you know, you know, some folks, you know, consider you know one dollar amount to be high income. Others think another, you know, is, is high income. You know, I mean, you know, there's there's a there's a big there's a big variance there. I mean, you know, the if you if you look at you know the you know, the you know, the, the you, you know, if we think in terms of the tax brackets, you know, we have the 10% bracket, we have the 12% bracket, we have the 22% bracket, and the 24% bracket, at least as it currently stands with with current tax law, you know. And if you're a married couple, that 24% bracket goes, you know, just you know, north of $300,000 of taxable income, you know. Well, I mean, that's that, you know, for for a lot of people, that's that's a that's a lot of income. Some people define, you know, a high income as, you know, as, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars or so. Other folks look at a hundred thousand dollars and say, well, you know, I don't know how I could live on that. So, you know, we kind of have to figure out exactly what do we mean by high income and how much room do we have in these brackets? How old are you? You know, will there be an effect on, you know, on your on your uh, on your Social Security in terms of taxation? Will there be an effect on your Medicare premiums? You know, if, you know, because there, there's there's certain thresholds there, you know, with, uh, you know, you know, with as to how you particularly in Medicare Part, you know, Part B and Part D premiums and how they're paid. So there's there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. And we and we do want to take a look at it. But it's 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 not necessarily a good idea or a bad idea. You know, we you know, I mean, in general, it's you know, it, it's it, I think it's a good idea to move, you know, if you if you've consistently made you know, high income. And again, we have to define that. But if, you know, if you're there and you've been putting a lot of money away, we need to be cognizant of what are going to be the tax implications in your retirement. And so we have to look and see strategically, does it make sense to do a Roth conversion? And, 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 and also, how are we going to do that Roth conversion? Are we going to do it all in one year? Are we going to do it over two or three years? Are we going to spread it out over maybe five to seven years? You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios there that, that we can look at and you know which which can change you know if, if we if we for instance if we did everything in one year it might be a really bad idea but if we spread it out over you know five to seven years it might be a really good idea again we have to look at the specifics of the particular situation to determine you know what you know what's going to be the right thing to do and you know and and so that you know so that they know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it and they're 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 you know they're weighing all the pros and the cons and 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 finally saying okay yes this is this is you know by and large this is a good decision and this is what I should do and and because there's a far more you know benefits to doing this versus you know you know the the you know the downside of it you with me I'm with you and I know that uh, you know we could go down the rabbit hole of uh, an entire episode talking about Roth conversions and Roth versus traditional IRAs and that sort of thing and we've covered topics like that on past episodes before as well so if you want to get more info on that it should be pretty easy to scan the headlines of past episodes until you find a good Roth topic or IRA topic. But good to hit that little nuance of the high income earners and some of the nuances that exist there. All right, Glenn, let's go one more direction here uh, for this episode, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put a cap on this one. What's your opinion of investments that require you to keep money locked up for a certain period of time? I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about these, even heard an ad the other day that was saying, oh, you can lock it up for four years and get this, you can lock it up for eight years and get this, you know, return on your money. But I know locking away money seems to be something that people are a bit hesitant to do, while others are very comfortable with it, kind of the old CD, you know, understanding. Um, I know a lot of annuities operate this way as well. 
um, as well as maybe even some some hedge funds I've heard before as well. What, what's your opinion on just that whole idea of locking money away in kind of response for, you know, in exchange for, I guess, returns and, and, and things like that? Right. Well, again, you know, I mean, Walter, I'm going to surprise you with my answer. It, it, it depends, right? <laughs> but I knew what general, I was getting myself into, Glenn. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it does. There's a lot of details there that we have to we have to kind of unpack. But, you know, the I mean, the idea of money being set aside for a certain period of time, you know, that can be scary you know, on, on one hand. On the other hand, you know, um, kind of think about it like this. I mean, you know, let's say that you've got an you know, you've got a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k that is pre-tax dollars. Right. It may be, you know, quote unquote liquid, you know, if you're a certain age and, and you know, and, and all of that. But at the same time, if you if you if you were to just take you know a really big withdrawal out, you might have you might create a really big tax event, right? And and you know and have a lot of taxes due, and so you know you're probably not going to do that. So, but technically, that particular account might you know might be fully liquid. At the same time, you know you realistically you're you never think of taking it out out all at once, and you, because you know of what the tax consequences might be. So that said, you know, there might be other reasons why you want to, you know, park certain amount of money into something that, you know, that requires you to leave it there for a certain period of time, particularly in this type of money, because, you know, you're not likely to be, you know, withdrawing it all in one fell swoop anyway. And you might be able to, you know, you know, protect some principal. You might be able to, you know, create, you know, a certain set of benefits that you're looking for. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a, you know, an income stream. Maybe it's maybe it's, you know, some some long term care type of you know benefits. There's a lot of different variables in in this scenario. But it, in general, I'm not a I'm I'm not I'm not really fearful of you know setting money aside for a certain time frame. But you know, for certain situations, it doesn't make sense. But for a lot of other situations. It does. So again, it kind of depends. But we really, what we really need to do is to look at it. And one thing I would say is, is that you don't really want to lock up all your money in a, you know, in a scenario where it's, you know, it's tied up for, you know, for, you know, for a certain period of time because you do want to have certain liquidity. And you know, in fact, you know, most most financial products require you to have a certain amount of liquidity before you even think about, you know, putting, you know, putting, you know, certain amount of dollars into that particular financial product. So you know, and you know, like I say, in kind of in a in a nutshell, it's not good. It's not bad. It's 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 you know, it, it, there's there's certain there's certain types of products and you know investments that are out there that will that will get you know give you that as as one of the one of the things that you have to consider. And you know, the the, the big deal I always ask folks is is that if it if it really gives you a lot of heartburn to to set money aside, you know, and, and you know for that period of time, and and that you you really just you know feel like hey, I got to have more liquidity than that, then you know then then you really need to, you know, kind of say, well, okay, I'm not going to do that then. But if you realize, hey, I'm probably not going to be taking all this money out and uh, all at the same time anyway, and I do need to have some of these other other pieces of my financial puzzle, you know, addressed, i.e. maybe income stream, maybe some long-term care benefits, then it's something worth considering. And again, we have to kind of delve into the details of this particular, you know, uh, you know, plan as to what, what what's needed, what's missing. And then we can kind of, you know, sort it out as to whether or not it makes sense to entertain the idea of utilizing some sort of a product that has a certain period of time that has to have the money tied up. 
It's just another one of those levers that you can pull as an advisor, and it just makes sense to view all of those things in the context uh, context of the rest of your plan. That's always important to keep in mind. But some good food for thought there on anything that requires you to kind of lock your money up for a period of time. And uh, interesting to hear the different sides of that coin. Glenn, thank you for your guidance and advice through all of these different topics. I know that these are a lot of the kinds of questions that you're getting from people when they come in to meet with you, and we're just scratching the surface of all the possible things things that you help walk people through and talk about. And by the way, if you have any questions for Glenn, want to walk through something like this with him one-on-one and go back and forth about your situation and get into more detail, it's easy to get in touch. You can go to roadmapfinancial.com and click on the free consultation button at the bottom of the page. Uh, We'll put a link to that in the description of the uh, show today, by the way. And you can also call 336-291-3535 if you'd like. That's the way to get in touch via phone as well. 336-291-3535 or roadmapfinancial.com. Happy spring to you, Glenn, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again next week. Fantastic, Walter. Take care now. All right, you do as well. That's Glenn Mosseller. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. 